Okay, I'm obsessed with Audible because it lets you enjoy all of your audio entertainment in one app. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. And with female writers and heroines, celebrity narration, multicast productions, Audible has you covered for every type of excitement that you're looking for, including true crime and mystery. And I know all of you love that too. For example, right now, I'm listening to None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash reality life or text reality life to 500 500. That's audible.com slash reality life or text reality life to 500 500. With four daughters and two on a dance team, I can tell you we go through a lot of mascara in my house, but I'm crazy about L'Oreal Paris new Panorama Mascara, which catches every lash for corner to corner for maximum volume. If you're looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank, this is yours. The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. I've been using it for about two weeks now, and I feel like my eye has completely opened up, and the girls are crazy about it too. They've got a tapered brush to catch every lash, one of the best mascara wands that I've ever used. And like I said, this luxe appearance of this gold package you got to get it. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. L'Oreal Paris New Panorama Mascara. You're going to love it. The Amazing Kate Casey. Welcome back to another episode of Reality Life with Kate Casey. Hope that you've had a great week so far. And I've got a great episode for you. But first, I want to put a couple things on your radar. Okay. If you love sports, you're going to love The Captain. It's on ESPN Plus, and it is all about Yankee legend Derek Jeter. Seven episodes. There are going to be two episodes released this week, and then one each following week. This series is going to delve into topics such as how race impacted his childhood and his journey from a kid with a dream to one of the greatest Yankees in franchise history. It's going to show unseen footage of him getting drafted and his time growing into a star. You don't want to miss out on that one. I've been watching The Bachelorette and I couldn't put my finger on what is a little bit off. And I think a big part of it is the guys all have zero personality. I don't know. I feel like these two Bachelorettes, they have so much personality between them and then no one can kind of hold a candle to them. And I'm wondering if you feel the same way. Another thing that I've been watching is this interesting show called Claim to Fame. You guys, this show is fascinating. Now, some of my friends have thought, I don't know if I want to watch this, but I think it's like an anthropological study into how fame affects the people in your life. This one is hosted by Kevin Jonas and Frankie Jonas. Now, you're asking yourself, who is Frankie Jonas? Frankie Jonas is the forgotten about brother. He's child number four who never went on to sing or perform, but he's kind of quirky and kind of funny. So he hosts this with his brother, You have 12 celebrity relatives together in a house as they compete against each other to discover who they are related to. So several of them are pretty noticeable. Like Whoopi Goldberg's granddaughter, you're like, she's absolutely a relative of Whoopi Goldberg. Simone Biles' sister is pretty much her twin. So obviously they're easy to figure out right away. But for the others, if they're not a really well-known celebrity or if somebody has never watched football or doesn't know people of a certain age, they would have no idea who your celebrity relative is. So it really is a fascinating window into how egotistical the relatives are. 
I think that's pretty fascinating because you think about it. Some celebrities are not so bad. It's the people in their entourage who are diabolical monsters. So for example, first episode of the show, you're kind of like, what is the show about? And there's this young guy named Maxwell. And he reveals in the beginning, they all kind of give clues. Some are bogus, purposely bogus clues to throw people off. Well, he keeps talking about how he has a very famous grandfather, extremely famous to the point where, you know, if he's on set, don't bother him. They're very close, he explains, very, very close. But he's like a gigantic star. And then like the next day, he's talking to another contestant and says, well, if I want to talk to my grandfather, since he doesn't own a phone, okay, you heard that right. He doesn't own a phone. So you're like, what is he, 100 years old? He doesn't own a phone. And if he wants to contact him, he has to call his grandfather's attorney. I'm like, Maxwell, you're not close to your grandfather. Your grandfather's avoiding you. He thinks you're a pipsqueak. He has nothing. He has no interest in you. Nonetheless, you get to the end of the episode and they have this very strict rule. No one can have their phone because you and I both know we would be under the covers of our bed looking up and Googling people. Well, He did that, so he got kicked off. But before he left, he revealed the identity of his extremely, very, very famous relative, and it was Chuck Norris. Now, the other contestants had begun to believe that he was probably the grandson of Steven Spielberg. I knew right away out of the gates that wasn't true. Number one, he looks nothing like Steven Spielberg or his relatives. And I don't think that Steven Spielberg even has grandchildren that old yet. I think they're all like under... 13. So I knew it was bogus. But when he said Chuck Norris, I thought, you really do live in a parallel universe. Who cares about Chuck Norris? The way that he was going on and on about him, and you realize you've got two layers here. You've got the celebrity that thinks they're the next coming. And then you think the relatives, they get access to a lot of these parties and the privileges that come with celebrity without any of the talent. And sometimes it makes them even crazier right? So you've got to watch it. By the way, one of the contestants is Brett Favre's daughter. Now, if you didn't watch football, you'd have no idea who she was, right? But the way she's talking about it, like, my dad's a legend. We get stopped. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? You've got to watch it. Claim to fame, it's on After the Bachelorette. It's by the same creator as Love is Blind. Very clever idea. At first, I thought this is going to be lame, but I actually think it's pretty hilarious. Okay. This week's or this episode, I have a great guest, Audrina Patridge from The Hills. Audrina just wrote a book and I wanted to ask her all about behind the scenes of the show that made her so famous. Also about becoming a mother, being in a toxic relationship, and also behind the scenes of that short-lived reality show about her family. You guys remember that moment with her mom where her mom was making a scene on camera. It was fantastic. Well, I wanted to ask her all those questions because I know that you guys love that show, The Hills, as much as I did. When I moved to California, Laguna Beach had just begun, and it was fascinating because I eventually moved to Orange County, and I felt like it was a case study in this strange, strange place I just moved to. It was like Real Housewives of Orange County and Laguna Beach were my window into the place that I had just moved. Well, there was a spinoff from Laguna Beach that became The Hills, and you got to see kids in their early 20s who became sensations, like the cover of us and people, huge stars, what their lives were like behind the scenes. So you got access into places like clubs in LA where when we were in the age of Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, and Britney Spears, 
you knew that they were going to those clubs, but this show gave you access to it so you could see what it was like. So if you live in another part of the country and you're not going to go to LA, you got some sort of taste of what the life of those cast members would be like. Brody Jenner was on the show, son of Bruce Jenner. I mean, just a ton, ton of great moments on TV at that time. So Audrina was cast when she was living in this apartment complex. And next thing you know, she's on the show and she became a huge star in that era. Now, The Hills came back for a short period of time and then went off the air. And now they're bringing it back with a whole new cast, but a fresh new young cast. So I was eager to talk to her and to get some of those behind the scenes stories. I know that you're going to love this interview. So here we go with my interview with Audrina Patridge. I know everybody right now is on a health kick, and that's why I want to tell you about Row Body Program. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. It could be you too. Row Body Program members have support throughout the process. Row's partner handles all of the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to the provider on demand for any questions. And you can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. And this means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.com slash KKC. Sign up today and you're going to pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash KKC. With DoorDash, there's something for everyone. You need a birthday gift? Check. Need to stock up on meals, sides, and drinks that your family loves? Also check. Pet ran out of food again? They've got it. Wellness essentials need a restock? It's a good thing they've got those too. The DoorDash app allows you to customize, substitute, schedule, and track your orders, as well as communicate with your shopper while receiving real-time updates. This has been a huge game changer for myself and for our family. Millions of people trust DoorDash for groceries, pet supplies, gifts, well-being, and more, and you should too. Shop with DoorDash and enjoy big savings. Use code KATECASEY to get 50% off, up to $10 value on $15 minimum subtotal on your next convenience, grocery or retail order. For eligible users only, terms apply. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. I'm so excited. So loved reading your book and I loved going back in time and remembering how big the hills really was when it first came out. You were at the La Brea Apartments, is that correct? I, it was near La Brea, it was in the like La Brea area. I was at the, um, the Hills, gosh, oh my gosh, the Villas. It was called the Villas. It was off Burnside and 6th Street in Park La Brea. Now that apartment building, if you were to go back in time, how many other people that were on the cusp of the entertainment industry phenomenon do you think also live there? There was a lot of people. Everyone there were either <laughs> models, actors, musicians, or they were in the industry. So it was like a little Melrose Place type complex. <laughs> Who's the most memorable person that lived there outside of the people from the hills? Um, I remember when Perez Hilton moved in, we were all kind of like, oh, Perez lives here. What if he sees us by the pool and he takes a photo or says something about it? <laughs> Um, I think that was the one that we mostly were like, oh my gosh, she lives here. Yeah. 
So Adam DeVello, the Hills executive producer, famed reality TV producer, approaches you at that apartment building. And that ultimately led you to becoming a cast member on one of the biggest TV shows at the time. What did he say to entice you in that conversation? Um, well, at first we thought he was just another, there's so many producers in LA, you know, and people walking around and talking to you, trying to get you to their clubs or trying to get you to do a movie or this or that. And you don't know who's legit and who's not. So when he first walked up to us, you know, he's just talking like, Hey, so where are you guys from? What's your name? And we just kind of listened to him and heard him out. And then when he started talking more about what he was doing there, he was scouting um, for a new show. And with Lauren Conrad, who was on Laguna Beach at the time, I never watched Laguna Beach, but I knew who Lauren was from magazines. So when he said that, I was like, okay, so this guy, he's legit. Like he's not just a schmoozer. This is a real producer guy. And then we just kept listening to him and he wanted to know a little bit more about us. I was with my two roommates at the time and he loved our, my story. And then we went in and interviewed at MTV in Santa Monica. And then within two weeks, I got a call and they wanted to start filming. So it literally changed my life. So the two roommates that you had were friends from Kansas of all places. What did they think of you starting the show? Uh, did, were, were they interested in doing it too? or? Yeah, you know, I didn't know them. I actually met them in an elevator um, when I was scouting to live there, I was looking at the complex, but there was no one bedrooms available, um, which is what I wanted. So as I was in the elevator talking about it with my dad, they were in the elevator and they're like, oh my gosh, we actually were looking for a roommate. We have a three bedroom. You could totally move in with us. So that's how I moved in with these two girls. And they were so sweet. But you know, when Adam talked to all three of us, one was a nurse, one was a party event planner. And then I worked at a photo studio and they, he kind of asked us our backgrounds and who our friends were and where we went out and like wanted to know a little bit about our, our lives. And so whenever they did not get chose to be on the show, it made our friend, our new friendship a little bittersweet. It was sour. Yeah. So as soon as there was a one bedroom available, I moved out of there. And you were from Orange County. At that time, what were your real dreams moving to LA? Was it to be an actress, a model, a bit of both, a hybrid? Yeah, it was. I was doing modeling um, jobs here and there and then going on auditions for commercials and music videos. And then I was going to acting school. So I really wanted, I guess, a model actress. So in the, my old bio on the Hills, they called me a mactress. <laughs> um so yeah, I was I wanted to do acting. So I thought, okay, well this I don't know anything about reality TV, but I do need to get comfortable in front of the cameras and maybe this experience will help me in whatever ways I need help to be more comfortable on auditioning or filming. So that's kind of where my mind was going into it. Um it was a different experience, you know, obviously it's filming on a reality show, you're sitting there and there's cameras around you, but you're in a public place. So yeah. everyone's watching you. And it's not like filming a movie or a scripted show where you're in a studio and you have directors and everybody like, okay, go or cut or, you know, action. And, um, it was just very surreal. I, it took me a while to get used to that. At what point do you go back or did you ever go back and watch an episode of Laguna Beach? 
Honestly, never. <laughs> you never did? Because I also thought, no. you know, here you grew up in Yorba Linda. My husband's from that area too. Oh. I, I can't imagine what Yorba Lindians would think of a show set in Laguna. Like, did you did you get feedback from the people that you grew up with? Like, in no way does that represent our own high school experience. Um. You know, I never watched an episode of Laguna Beach, but I saw clips of it. Um, but yeah, Yorba Linda, I mean, Laguna Beach is on the beach. It's a lot of money. Yorba Linda is a very nice like city too. But I think it's just very opposite. Like if yeah. we had cameras come to my high school, yeah, there would be drama and the love triangles and all of that. There was beautiful people I went to school with. Everyone was so pretty in Yorba Linda too. Um, like that's not the issue. I just think like Laguna Beach is so much more beautiful as the ocean. It has more to offer and the restaurants and the the surfers and just like everything down there. I feel like it's a little more cinematic. Did you feel like Lauren accepted you? I know you said that she was a little bit more cold, but having most of them in that circle grow up together in that part of Orange County did you and Heidi feel a, a bit as outsiders moving into that friend group? Um, well, Lauren kind of moved out of that friend group and moved to LA and we were her new friend group. So um, she kind of started over and we were her new friends in LA. And then Jason came in and, and Steven and like some of her other friends here and there. But um you know, I, after filming, I kind of started understanding why Lauren could be closed off because she's a, she was already seasoned from filming Laguna beach. So she knew the drill and knew the trust issues and how people were for cameras. Um, I did feel a little on the outside because I didn't know her. I didn't know Heidi, her and Heidi knew each other. Um, so Whitney and I didn't know them. So we were kind of the newbies that were their new friends and it took some time to warm up and get to know each other and get comfortable. Within the confines of the show, was it understood? Lauren really is the center of the show. And if that happened, did it make the dynamics strange? No, because it was Lauren's show. This is about Lauren's life. And I think we were all fine with that. Um, You know, we were her friends and then it was about our friendship with her and then her friends' lives outside of that and coming together. So, yeah, I don't think there's any issues with that or it being Lauren's show. If it wasn't for her, we would have never had the hills or been on it. It's highly, highly unusual in reality TV, I think, to have that. Heidi and Spencer became really large celebrities at the time. Did you see that working press and being seen could catapult you to more opportunities? And if so, did you want to do that? Because it seemed like there was always a part of you that you kept private. You know, I feel like from, I was born in LA. I grew up in Orange County. Like I have friends and family in LA and Orange County. So it's like, I was used to that. I was used to being in that circle of people being famous or models or actors or musicians. And to me, it wasn't like a culture shock. It's like, it's not something I was striving to be super famous. You know, it's kind of like, okay, let's just see what this is about. And 
it took me a while to open up because I was so uncomfortable and I was such a private person, but especially doing a reality show. But as time progressed, you get used to it more and more. And, you know, then there is paparazzi and people started sending us stuff and they wanted us to be seen in these outfits. So then every time we would leave the house, we would have paparazzi following us. So it's something we were kind of thrown into, which I wasn't used to that. Like, and I don't even think it's really like that anymore. It was so hardcore back then with paparazzi and um, just because there wasn't social media really, you know, or anything like that. Well, I think that people forget too, at that time, that was really the Britney Paris era, the Perez Hilton, as you mentioned, era. Yes. And, And there were pictures almost, I felt like every 20 minutes that were, would go up on his site. How do you think your Instagram what it would have looked like or your TikTok would have looked like had it been available at the time that you were on the hills? Um, I think it would have been my life, like what we were doing, what what we were filming, the places I was going, like pictures with friends. Because back then we didn't even have a phone that took pictures. You had to carry your separate little phone or your camera or the d- digital or... um throwaway cameras is what we would always bring and go get them. It was such a different world back then. So I think my Instagram, if I had it back then would be, have so many more memories that now are thankfully are on the show, but also in my mind, because even though we took a lot of photos on our digital cameras, um, half of them, I don't even know where they are, but I think it would have been, A lot of friends going out on a lot of trips, um, being invited to, you know, all of the opportunities that we got to do and be a part of that people never even knew about would all be on there. So when you would go home, were you able to relate to the friends that you had grown up with or did it feel like you were living a total parallel life? Um, I had like a total parallel life because... The two friends that I did keep in touch with the most, um, one also kind of became famous. And then my other one was just my best friend and she wanted nothing to do with the cameras, but she was like my number one supporter and always there, even with me filming, but just not on camera. Um, But the people I grew up with just didn't understand the world that I was in. And they didn't understand what I was going through. So that's why... the friends I made on the show with Lauren and Heidi and Whitney and Justin and Brody and Frankie, like all of us, we all understood what we were going through that nobody else really got with the, the judgment and people prying into our lives and following us or making up rumors about us, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a lot that takes a toll on you that nobody really understands that comes with fame. There's a lot of good, but also a lot of hard times. So we really had an understanding that we, you know, we stuck it out with each other and we could talk to each other about that. So answer this question and, and specific to the period of er, filming early parts of that show. If people only knew that, what? they would have more of an understanding that we're humans and we're just like them that we get our feelings hurt too. And we are going through hard times. It's just on TV with the world to watch and judge us on every little move we do. Yeah. Do you think now that if you had the uh, the current climate in 2022 of social media 
and the way that reality shows have sort of evolved. Could Do you think now that the Audrina that was at that apartment complex would still be cast for a reality show? Or do you think it's changed too much? I think, I think it's changed a lot. I've changed a lot. Um, I've never really, to be honest, I don't, it's like, I'm probably not the best reality star. I'm not going to lie because I'm not confrontational. I don't like drama. I never had drama growing up. I was liked by everyone. I just loved having fun and being kind. And like on a reality show, you have to be super opinionated, super confrontational. You have to be cutthroat and jump in there and stir the pot. So that's something I had to gradually learn and force myself into, which now I finally have peace in my life and it's nice. Um, So I'm really enjoying where I'm at right now. So if I was to go back on a reality show, I don't think it would be a dramatic reality show. It would be more of an educational or something inspiring or Mm -hmm. just positive and uplifting. I'm just at a different place in my life. So let's talk about Justin Bobby. So he's, his name is actually Justin Robert. And it was Lo and Lauren that called him Justin Bobby because they thought it was funny that it, some friends called him Bobby, which in retrospect, I can understand why he would want to throw punch somebody. When the way that you talk in the book, it sounds like you're still sort of wrestling with, with your relationship with them, even years later, because there is an undiable, undeniable chemistry between the two of you. But I wondered how you felt about the beginning of when you met him at the, at the studio that you were working and then filming a show with him. Do you think it was possible that you could still have a relationship or do you think that the, the television show compromised the, the ability for you to have a real relationship? Honestly, I think this show compromised our relationship yeah. because any relationship or any guy that I brought on to the show, it changes them. There's something about being in front of a camera that changes some people or they choke up or they, they become this new character. And it's like, you're like, who are you like in Mm -hmm. front of the camera right now? So it's like, I would see one side and then I'd see the other side. And then eventually as Justin would get more comfortable, like, you know, his softer side came through and people saw that he does have a good heart and he is a good person, but yeah, cameras change each other. They change the relationship within each other. And it, it definitely puts more pressure to either rush the relationship into a certain direction or to like cause some kind of friction because we need, we need ratings or we need something that's interesting. Being happy is not good for a reality show (laughs) and a relationship. You need like hard conversations. You need to keep pushing the relationship. You need to, and sometimes in real life, you know, it's like, you just kind of want to ease into it and kind of take each other's inventory and see if you really do mesh, but on a show, you kind of, you don't have time for that. You have to rush into it or rush out of it. He was so annoying in so many of those scenes. (laughs) Looking back, I'm like, (laughs) oh my gosh, Justin. And he's even said that, you know, like him watching himself on the show, like he couldn't even watch it. And it made, it actually helped him to become a better person and to change. Yeah. 
I remember I tracked him down and he was like in Argentina, like riding a motorcycle and singing. And he made a comment about how he still had had feelings for you. And there were a bunch of outlets that wrote about it. And then we see the hills come back and he's still around. Did did the people in your life say to you, oh my God, this guy will just not go away? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think... A lot of people were hoping that we would finally be together oh, and really? work it out. Yeah. And then other people were just kind of like, oh my gosh, he's back. But, you know, yeah. in 10 years, people do change. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of hope, but also a lot of like, oh my gosh, he's there again. <laughs> and in my mind, it's like, we have been through so much and I'll always have love for Justin. And I know he has love for me. Um, but we respect each other and we're just in two different places where he's a nomad and I have a child and I have a different life. He has a different life, but you know, we touch base every now and then and check in on each other and I'm happy for him with his life. And that's about it. That line that he said, truth and time will tell all. Do people say that to him and to you all the time? And do you also want to throat punch people that say that to you? All the time. I mean... (laughs) Line. And now I even say it as a joke to some, I'm like, well, you know what they say? That one wise man once said, truth in time tells all. So it's kind of turned into like a funny thing. But yeah, that is Justin and his one-liners. He had some very good ones that people repeat all the time. All the time. Kristen Cavallari, when you write about her in the book, um, it, it it sounds like she had a really good way of compartmentalizing a television character and her real life. Um, because of that, do you think that you've been able to connect with her in a different way above the others? Because you didn't you didn't take things as personally that things that happen on the show and off the show. Yes, Kristen's very good with that. She shows up, she has, you know, her title was the bitch is back. So that was her job was to show up and stir the pot and be the bitch. And after seeing that, I kind of, I was like, okay, like I get it. Like I'm you just in my mind, it's like, this is a show. This is our job. Let's show up and do what we need to do to make a good show. And then you can have your separate life, you know? And she does do a really good job of that. And I look up to her in that way for that because I I do that too. So we have, we can relate to each other in a lot of things, especially now with our divorce and just everything we've been through and our kids and like fame and getting out of LA and like having your own life and your crew of trusted friends around you mm-hmm. that you have to prioritize and not let LA get to your head or get sucked in. When you went off the the hills the first time, did you have a loss of identity at all? Did you have a period of time where you had a hard time getting acclimated to life without being filmed and without having the attention that consumed your life at one point? Yes, I really did. So after the hills ended, the original um, hills, I... I was lost. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was so used to filming every day and, you know, having someone tell me what to do and where to be and where, you know, everything. So when I didn't have that, it was kind of like a deer in headlights. You know, I was like, um, what am I supposed to do with my life now? Like no one's calling me, my phone, like 
what am I, I, I felt lost. So I kind of took some time to myself for that next, well, actually I tried, but then that didn't last very long. Then I did the Audrina show, Dancing with the Stars. I just <laughs> jumped into more work, but I did have a great, a chunk of time to kind of reflect and think, okay, what is it that I want? What makes me happy? Because I was always on autopilot or doing what everyone else wanted me to do. I never had a chance to really dig deep and know what I wanted and what I wanted to do and who I was. When you did Audrina, you said that the show made it really difficult for your family for a period of time because as an executive producer, they assumed that you had a hand in editing. And if they had a a scene that was taken out of context, it was really your fault. Mm -hmm. I think we all can remember a moment with your mom where I think a lot of people, including myself, thought, okay, now she's an interesting character. What was that like for you to see that playback? And did that make your mom not, did that have a part in her not wanting to film, really, you know, be on film? My mom would get a little bit of social anxiety and like, she'd get really nervous before the cameras. So, um, you know, and then she would have a glass of wine and try to relax and the producers would talk to her and then they would egg her on, egg my sister on and things would just explode. But whenever she watched it, she was devastated. And then when she started reading comments about what people were saying about her, like she's old, trying to look like she's 20, like, oh, she thinks she's hot or like, and she's not even trying to be hot. It's just what she looks like. So then she went and chopped her hair to her ears to try to look older and changed how she dressed and tried to... And I was like, mom, you cannot read what people say about you. People are mean. Like, you don't know what these people look like. They're just like, you can't read anything. Like, stick in your, stay in our bubble. Like, don't listen to anyone. Don't read anything. Mm -hmm. Who cares what people think? So that was really hard for me to see my family go through. Because I was used to getting, you know, picked apart and judged and like made fun of. But whenever it comes to my family or people I care about, that's really hard for me to see. So it, it like broke my heart seeing my family go through that because I, it was because of me kind of thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like from what I've been through, this is what I do to get through it. You cannot read the comments. Don't watch it then. Like create this bubble for yourself to protect your energy and protect yourself. Well, I, I still think she would have been better on Real Housewives of Orange County first season than many of them. I thought she was hysterical. I don't know. I yeah, I, my mom out. is amazing. <laughs> they did. My mom, you know, she has that East Coast personality and exactly. she's, she's black or white. She doesn't give That's a right. crap what you think. This is what I think. And she doesn't step down. And my mom has such a strong personality, but the biggest heart and... Yes, I loved my mom. Well, no wonder Mark Burnett loved her too. Yeah. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time for you to get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's gas, groceries, or dinner with friends, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit, Discover Bank, member FDIC. 
if I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. So let's talk about Corey. So you met him, and of course I could see why you were attracted to him. He's got an Australian accent. He was like an X Games kind of guy. And it did seem, in retrospect, as an outsider, that you did like guys that were a little bit um, aloof. Bad boys. (laughs) Yeah, like aloof, like mysterious. I mean, I can't see you dating an accountant and just can't even imagine it. So I I get that. Um, And I think that you did a great job of explaining how he was enticing and how over time you kind of overlooked some things that were obvious red flags. I want you to walk us through what it was about Corey that you fell in love with and how over time that relationship started to to fall apart? You know, I fell in love with a lot of things about Corey. He was, he was very respected in his industry. He was an athlete. He didn't party a lot. You know, he didn't do drugs. He didn't drink a lot. Um, he would wake up in the morning at five or six and go surfing and then he'd play tennis and then he'd go writing. Like he was very active and I loved that. And I loved that he loved to travel and he was very protective and I felt safe with him and he was very masculine and, you know, um, he was just like a guy's guy. And I just, I had the best time with him. And I just, I think coming from the other relationships that I was in, it was so different because he was so protective and so caring and so persistent. And I was so used to these guys disappearing for a few days and then coming back or this and that. So in the beginning, you know, he just, he won my heart. And I could see how at first the, the personality issue of like the controlling part of his personality you may have overlooked because you were looking for somebody who was take charge and who would protect you after being in an environment where you often felt unsafe because um, you couldn't be trustful of certain friendships or that people would not respect your boundaries. So you needed somebody to protect you. And then over time, there were a, a series of events that were, were concerning to your family and they spoke up and I think there are so many women and probably men too that are in relationships or who have had relationships where the people in their family or their friendships have concerns. And do they approach someone like yourself and say, I don't know if this is the right relationship or do you think in your case and so many other cases that actually makes you cling on to the person that tends to be controlling? 
I think for me, I was so rebellious that it it made me cling on even harder and like do the opposite. But everyone's different. So, you know, if I could go back and listen, but I was also in this bubble where I was so blinded by love, you know, and I, I was just wanted to make it work and Mm-hmm. Um, anything my family or friends would tell me, I'd listen to it, but it'd go in one ear and out the other. And then eventually when it got so bad, you know, it's like you start catching things and then you're like, gosh, I'm losing myself. Like I'm not even who I am anymore. And then you're like, well, who am I? And, you know, then your friends, like my friends and family, thankfully didn't give up on me and they didn't stop fighting for me or telling me, things but they did get to the point where they're like Audrina you know how we feel I don't want to be around him otherwise like I'm going to freak out on him if I see him treat you like that so it started getting you know like it's I started cutting friendships off or distancing myself and that's where the isolation started and and then I didn't want anyone to know that it was bad anymore so I would just always act like everything was good and happy to make them like him again and like make things okay it was so toxic and I felt for your mother in the part where you say you were 37 weeks pregnant you just into moved into a house which by the way you bought he didn't even have interest in the house it was something that you built on by yourself and you're 37 weeks pregnant and the movers are there and he pulls up in a truck and he sees all of this. And your mom is on the front step or like in the front yard, right? Yeah. And he yeah. sees your mom and he just drives away. Now, imagine yeah. yourself now having a daughter and she is that pregnant, about to move into her own house. And this guy just drives off. She uh-huh. probably wanted to have him murdered and didn't. Yeah. And now having a daughter and putting myself in that position, I put my parents through so much heartache. I don't even know how they they handled it so well. And because I don't know what I, I would freak out. I don't know. I don't, I think when you're in it, it's like, it would be so hard, but they just supported me. It was nonstop love and letting me know that they would support me and be there for me no matter what. And that no matter what happens, we're going to be here. But I think everybody kind of subconsciously knew even friends And even my, my lawyers and my agents are like people that were always around me. Um, Everybody kind of knew they're like, okay, well this, how long is this going to last? It's not going to last. And I would have talks from everyone in my life. But then you got engaged Mm -hmm. and then you talk in your book about how um, there was a moment where he had a bachelorette party or you had a bachelorette party, you left town and he was in charge and you see social media posts where he's supposed to be watching your daughter, but he's with his friends. And then you come home and there was a little bit of vomit in the bassinet. Every mom who hears the story wants to rip someone's eyeballs out, of course. But you ended up still going through with the marriage. I know that there are people listening to this and they've been there before where it gets that bad, but you still have a voice in your head that goes, it might get better. Mm -hmm. It might get better. So you went through with the wedding and then ultimately you left him. What yeah. made you get to that decision? Like, this is enough and I deserve more and I am more than this. And my daughter deserves more. Yeah, you know, it was just, it was my daughter. And I was like, okay, I put myself through hell with him before she was born. And then after those few things happened with Kira involved, 
just seeing that there was no change happening. And I was like, I'm not going to put her through this. She's not going to see this. She's not going to go through this. And so that's what gave me the strength and the courage to pull the plug and like walk away was my daughter. And also it was just after having her, there's something about having a baby. It just opens your eyes to life and your perspective changes on everything, on people, on Mm -hmm. situations, on life, on the world, like everything. It just, it changed me. It made me a better person. It made me more protective. It made me care not only about myself, but about my future because my daughter is my future. And it just changed everything. It made me, it gave me that push that I needed. Was there a period of time where you had difficulty dating because you needed to crack yourself open and become vulnerable and were were worried that after making the decision to stay with him for so long that you might make similar choices or or someone could present themselves as one thing and then be another? Yes, I was terrified of that. So, yeah. you know, I've went to therapy. I still go to therapy. I went through a lot of therapy, a lot of healing because I didn't want to end up with someone like that again. I had to close that door and like, it's time for someone new. So I did go on certain dates with people. And as soon as there was any like remote, like little red flag, yellow flag, I'm out of there. It's a waste of time. Like I'm not doing it. So then my friends are like, Audrina, now you're just being too hard on everyone. Like give someone like a chance. And I was like, no, I've been there, done that. I'm not giving a lot of chances anymore. So I went through the phase of, of, in my past of being a people pleaser and giving too many chances to not giving any chances at all and being like, no, sorry, I'm not interested or I just didn't care. Like I just, I wasn't ready to be in a relationship again. So I didn't really care about giving chances, but I also would see one small thing that I didn't like, whether it was something so like minor or something that I thought in my mind reminded me of something I'd been through and that did it for me. Mm. Now I'm, now I'm at a point where I've healed And there's still triggers and there's still feelings that come up sometimes that I'm still working on. I think when you go through, it's like trauma responses. Like when you go through something so traumatic or have been with someone for so long and they get really angry at you for speaking your feelings or for saying something upset you or something hurt you, it's like I tend to shut down and I tend to put my guard up And that's it. I'm protecting myself because I don't want to push it to the point to where it was speaking my feelings. But now I've, you know, dating someone or talking to someone now, like I'm not afraid to talk about my feelings or express how I feel and say what I want. Because if they're going to get mad at me or yell at me or freak out on me, then see you later. Like you're not in my life. Okay. A couple quick questions before we go. So uh, has it been hard to co-parent? Um, are you still, is that a work in progress? And uh, any anything that you want to give advice to other others that are trying to navigate co-parenting? Um, I think every co-parenting relationship is so different. Um, mine is not the easiest. Um, we use this app called Talking Parents that helps a lot. 
okay. um, because it keeps everything in one place and there's no calling cell phones or texting all the time and demanding answers. It's like, tells you when and where and like everything is on the app and then it's all in one place. So that's been really helpful. Um, and, you know, I have my daughter, I'm full time. So she's with me a lot and she sees her dad from time to time. And, um, you know, at this point we do what's best for our daughter and it's strictly business. You know, I don't talk to him or reach out to him for anything other than it being about when the visit's going to be. And so we keep, I keep it, I keep it only about that. I don't care about his opinion of me, anything else. Like I don't care. Let's just keep it about this. That's That's it. That's great. The Hills, um, it's probably going to be, looks like rebooted with a new cast. Is, does mm-hmm. that, is that something that you're going to watch? Is it bizarre? It, it, what is that like to be on a show for so long and then there'll just be new cast members? Do you feel like it's almost like a housewife where you have new people? Yeah, you know, it's kind of, I know we had a good run, um, but we all are older now and have responsibilities and families. We're not carefree and wild anymore. That's right. Um, So for reality TV, that's what they need. So in a way, I understand why they casted, you know, 20 new young kids that have all these new world issues and like identify as different things. And like, you know, like there's a, the world is very different now. So I felt like maybe we got a little boring <laughs> to watch, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it was kind of like a slap in the face. Tell me what you're working on now. The podcast, the Hills Rewatch podcast with Brody and Frankie. And we've been rewatching all of the, we're in season one right now. There's, we've got a long ways to go, but just talking about our experiences and behind the scenes and bringing on old producers and different fans of the show and other people on the show. And then where can people get your new book? Wherever you can buy a book, it'll be there. And where can people follow you on social media? Uh, you can follow me at Audrina Patridge on Instagram and Audrina Patridge on Twitter and on Facebook, but I don't have a TikTok yet. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. The amazing Kate Casey. I want to thank my great guest, Audrina, and remind you to click subscribe, leave a five-star review, join that Facebook group, Reality Life with Kate Casey. Follow me on Twitter at at Kate Casey. Follow me on Instagram at at Kate Casey CA. My TikTok is it's Kate Casey, Cameo Kate Casey. My must-watch list every week on Monday to tell you what to watch is available at katecasey.substack.com. And finally, bonus episodes, more episodes if you go to Patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash katecasey. Wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Ding! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, uh... Not, this is not a so. 
This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have a crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice, only on Freebie.